Hello, this is Len Tengis welcoming you to the iPodcast AGCMO Weekly Podcast. In each episode, we'll feature information about a contractor, specialty contractor, supplier, contracting agency, owner, or legislative or regulatory issue pertinent to the construction industry in Missouri. We'll feature industry professionals and other construction industry representatives to help our listeners stay up to date with current and future trends in construction. So here we go. Today we have with us Steve Sandher, CEO of AGC of America. Steve, appreciate you taking your time to uh, talk with us today. Happy to do Could you take a little time and just talk about, you know, everybody describes AGC a different way. It's kind of like the blind men describing the elephant. And I guess I'd like to hear from <laughs> your perspective, what is AGC of America? What's the structure? What are the purposes of the association? Sure. So, first of all, uh, I'd like to remind people we're the nation's largest commercial construction trade association, and we are also, at the same time, the most diverse. Uh, We have 26,000 members in all 50 states, Puerto Rico and the District of Columbia. Uh, We um, have general contractors, specialty contractors, service uh, providers and suppliers, um, we have union contractors and open shop contractors. We have highway contractors. We have building contractors. We have utility contractors. Um, we have publicly held companies and family-owned businesses. So we basically, uh, our membership looks like the entire commercial construction industry. Um, we have a $20 million budget of which about half comes from dues from our chapters. The other half comes from yard sales, car washes, bake <laughs> sales. Yeah, my uh, car whatever. is dirty right now. Could you uh, come over here well, this afternoon? Yeah, sure. Have you lost any detailing crew over the way? So uh, it, uh, no, basically it's what we can sell, and we it's, uh, our educational programs, it's our affinity programs, it's our conferences, our convention. Um, those are the, the non-dues revenue that we've put a lot of focus on in the last 20 years or so because we, we recognize that there's a ceiling on what members want to pay in dues, and uh, we have to be entrepreneurial and creative in, in how we find additional revenue to keep our operation going. So that you know, we have 67 uh, staff people in our office in Washington. Uh, actually, we're in suburban Arlington, Virginia. We also own a townhouse up on Capitol Hill that we use as our lobbying headquarters. We are frequently cited as one of the top lobbying organizations in Washington. We have a tremendous team. Over 30 people on our staff are somehow engaged in public policy issues, both in the uh, Congress and in the regulatory agencies. Uh, We have a lot of subject matter experts, and um, we pride ourselves in the fact that because of the diversity of our membership, that requires us to address every issue that impacts the construction industry. And we do it, I would say we do it with skill, integrity, and responsibility. 
One of the questions I had a reporter ask me recently was, what's your niche in the construction trade association world? And my answer was, we don't have a niche. That, in essence, we are, we can uh, address every issue that may come up, for the most part. Right. Yeah, and, and, you know, 20 years ago, there was a lot of hand-wringing within AGC and our leadership about, you had all of these additional um, specialty niche organizations popping up and that this was a challenge to AGC. And and I turn it around. I think it's our, the fact that we are diverse and that we aren't a niche player is our, is our strength. The fact that we can engage in anything, that any issue that, either negatively or positively impacts the industry and do it um, with some depth uh, because of the intellectual capital that we have within the staff is uh, of, of great benefit to our members. And the board, the executive board or your governing board, represents mm-hmm. that membership equally across all the different facets of the association, right? That's correct. There are we have 25 people on our board of directors. There are spots that are reserved for specific constituencies: our occupational divisions, uh, building, uh, highway and transportation, uh, utility and heavy, federal and heavy. They all have two seats on the board. We have a union contractors chair. We have an open shop contractors chair. Uh, we have a specialty contractor representative, a representative from the service service and supplier group, and we have two chapter executives, and then the rest are appointees by the president, who typically every year they are looking to provide opportunities to add diversity to the board, whether it's geographical diversity, um, occupational classification diversity, ethnic and gender uh, and racial diversity. We look to have a, a balanced board that's representative of our, of our entire membership. What's uh, with all this structure and 57 people in Washington, D.C., and the board and all the members, what is the most important issue that AGC of America is throwing its weight behind right now? Uh, I would say it's the area that has the most, where there's the most opportunity. And if you look at, particularly right now with the government shutdown, you know, it's just another example of how dysfunctional Congress is. And so the action really is in the regulatory agencies. And, you know, for the eight years prior to uh, Trump's election, we we experienced what I used to call the regulatory onslaught, where in the areas of labor, environment, and procurement in particular, there was a, a heavy hand in regulations. And, you know, whether people like or dislike Donald Trump, his, his most effective actions as president has been to give the heads of the various cabinet departments and federal agencies the authority to go in and try to weed out uh, some of the costly, burdensome, overzealous regulations that we saw in the previous eight years. And so uh, because of our subject matter expertise and because of our knowledge of these regulations, uh, new regulations as they went into effect during the Obama years, 
uh, we're uniquely placed to be able to go in with a lot of credibility and explain the impact of some of these regulations uh, on the construction industry. And the best example I would give is the Waters of the United States rule, which the EPA and the U.S. Army Corps of Engineers promulgated uh, about three or four years ago. And this is a a glaring example of regulatory overreach uh, in that they define literally a puddle as uh, that was that's caused during a rainstorm and that will dry up within a day or two as a water of the United States, which means that that piece of property would be subject to regulations under the Federal Clean Water Act. And we, you know, during the when the Obama administration was putting that rule forward, we we provided our commentary. We, we met with people at EPA to explain the impact that would have on construction projects. Uh, we were able to get to mitigate the reach of the rule in certain aspects. And now, uh, in the last two years, after uh, President Trump issued an executive order requiring EPA to go back to the drawing board on this, uh, we've been at the table with them giving them suggestions on how to get rid of some of the excess and make the rule work. And in fact, when the EPA, about three weeks ago, when they unveiled the new proposed rule, uh, we were invited to be at the, at the unveiling and, and be present with the acting administrator of the EPA. And that was in recognition of the contributions that we made in trying to make a bad rule better. The regulatory agencies just don't uh, dream up this stuff. They need subject matter experts like AGC of America staff to come in there and save them a lot of time and a lot of research and help them understand what really goes on out on the job sites and out in the real world so that when they put these regulations in place, they are somewhat connected to reality now. Right. And and I think a key role that we try to play is, you know— particularly during the Obama administration, we knew what their objectives were in promulgating these rules. And what we have had to do was to go in and say, look, we think we can help you meet your objective in a less costly and less burdensome manner. And here's how. And, uh, you know, that's where you develop credibility. You don't, you know, I, I... watch other trade associations in our space when a bad rule comes out and it's proposed that they'll send a letter and they'll say, this is bad. This will hurt our members. But they don't really uh, articulate how the rule can be changed. They don't back up their assertion that it's bad for the industry with any data or information and that's what we I think that's what differentiates us from other players Uh, we go in with fact not hyperbola and with data and uh, we try to make the strongest case that we can not just say this would be bad for our members because guess what nobody really cares (laughs) how long have you been at AGC now Steve Uh, in two tours of duty 31 years. 31 uh, I've been years. in this job. Yeah, I've been in this job for 22. 
Well, in that time, the time you've been mm-hmm. there, what and looking back, what do you think is the most significant success or the biggest success that AGC of America has accomplished for its members in the industry? Well, I think it, it uh, builds on what we what I just discussed, and that is we've built we've built a very effective team. Uh, we have a lot of very talented and smart people that we've been able, for the most part, to keep intact. You know, the average tenure of the people on our senior staff is over 17 years. The average tenure of our staff overall is over 10 years. So we try to hire good people and we try to keep good people. And, you know, when you have that level of expertise uh, and you build up credibility with policymakers, both legislators and regulators, and when I say regulators, I don't, I mean, I mean, not only the, the political appointees, but the career folks that are at an agency for a long period of time. We build relationships with those people. We generate goodwill and credibility. And that really helps us in our advocacy efforts. And, and, you know, I like to say when you have a lot of credibility, sometimes showing up is just enough. Mm-hmm. Uh, because, you know, when when people trust you that you're going to tell them the truth and they trust trust you that you're going to be providing quality information and accurate data, then they're going to want to work with you and they're going to want to, they're going to want to help you to a certain extent within the bounds of whatever policy or political boundaries that have been placed upon. So I I would say that our biggest uh, success is our ongoing efforts to be effective advocates for the industry and always try to do the right thing. I could not agree more. I think that the team that's there in Washington has always been a great resource and something that we, as the chapters, certainly take a lot of advantage of when we can, and I think that helps us in our local marketplaces. How many members, how many firms are members of AGC of America? Uh, About 27,000 right now. 27,000 companies. Now, when you were, if you're standing in front of those 27,000 members, how would you encourage them to take advantage of their membership in AGC of America? Because they join the chapters, the chapters all enroll them in the AGC of America services. How would you encourage them to take advantage of that investment in AGC of America? Yeah. Well, obviously there are, there are, many levels of engagement and you know the easiest level the easiest uh, level of engagement is passive participation and by that i mean pay attention uh, read what we send out and you know just reading what we send out uh you know talking about what we're doing in the advocacy area or what we're doing in the education area uh what we're trying to do to relieve some of the pressure of the workforce crisis. You know, that's a way to be engaged with us. And then, you know, you, then you can move up on the hierarchy. You know, then it's, hey, you know, we've got webinars. We've got educational programs. Uh, we have conferences, you know, in various issue areas 
HR, IT, tax and fiscal affairs, you know, et cetera, et cetera, where if you are specialized in a certain area and you want to get smarter or avail yourself of, you know, additional information in education, we provide that opportunity. You know, there's many there's many ways to be involved with HTC without ever having to get on an airplane and go to a meeting. And then, of course, you know, the next level up is probably your activist level, the people that want to be involved in the in in shaping our issues, in in discussing their challenges, in in, in volunteering to help us. Uh, work out some of the more uh, difficult or thornier issues that that we face. Because let's face it, when you're as diverse as we are, on some issues you're going to have conflicts, and you want to you want to resolve those conflicts. I like to, you know, remind folks that you know if we don't resolve conflicts within AGC, somebody else is going to resolve them for us, and we may not like the results. Everybody might be very true. Very true. Yeah, so, I mean, you see that, of course, in your own chapter. Yeah, so this is the, uh, I like the health club analogy that basically you've got all the machines there. Some people are going to come in and just use the treadmills. Other people are going to come in and yeah. use every every piece of equipment in the in the machine, in the uh, club, but it's all there. Mm-hmm. So any, it's all there. <laughs> anything else, Steve, before we wrap up, anything else you'd like to uh, share yeah. with the folks who are listening? Yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, you know, the, a few things. One is AGC can only be as strong as its chapters. You know, if our, if our chapters are financially viable, if our chapters are answering, you know, what's the value, or why should I be a member? I mean, we don't have direct members in AGC. All of our members come through our chapters. So when we have strong chapters that are providing services and are attentive to their members' needs, like your chapter, Lennon. I'll, I'll tip my cap to you uh, for your leadership in your chapter. Thank you. You know, that's what what is going to make us successful. So that's an important element of what we're able to do. And then the, the second thing is, you know, I always remind my colleagues on the national staff and and myself of, who's the boss? Who do we work for? Uh, and we work for the members. And they choose to belong to AGC. Nobody forces them to be part of AGC. And we have to constantly demonstrate to them uh, and to our chapters that we're providing real value. Well, Steve, I will say that I think it's a key advantage that we bring to the marketplace in Missouri to be able to say that we are affiliated with AGC of America. We've been affiliated with AGC of America since our inception. It's been a wonderful opportunity for us to be able to provide those services to our members, and I really appreciate you taking time today. I know you've got a convention coming up in April. We're going to have our first president from St. Louis, our president of AGC of America, Dirk Elsperman from Tarleton Corporation. Mm -hmm. I know we're very proud of that. And as always, we're very proud of our affiliation with AGC. Well, thanks, Len. And we're proud of our affiliation with you and appreciate all you and your members do for us. Thanks very much, Steve. Appreciate it. All right. You bet. Take care. Thanks again for listening. 
It's easy to subscribe to iPodcast AGCMO in the iTunes Store or on Google Play. As always, you can visit us at agcmo.org for additional downloads and information. Thank you.